This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined us today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you to what will be, I think, a very helpful edition of Equip as we talk about what does it mean to be a pastor theologian. Before we dive into that with our guest, I do want to encourage you, if you are a monthly partner, mark your calendars for November 16th. That's our next Equipper Zoom webinar. This is an opportunity for us to spend some intimate time together and to discuss a topic that is, uh, I think, at the tipping point of uh, Christianity and culture that I believe will be edifying for you. And this quarter, what we're focusing in on in our next Zoom webinar is uh, recovering from church hurt. How do you recover from woundedness when it happens at the hands of other Christians, and in particular leaders that you thought should know better and do better? And how do you help others to recover? You know, if you ask me what are some of the key discipleship arenas for the church in the days to come, there are a number of areas. Human sexuality comes to mind, the rise of AI and technology, digital discipleship, but certainly there is just a large swath of believers who uh, feel wounded by the church, and this has led to deconstruction, people leaving the church, and maybe, for some, even leaving the faith. And by extension, this uh, church hurt has either real or perceived been embraced by much of the broader population. And so we as Christians need to understand how do we disciple and uh, help others, but how do we allow God's word and grace to shape and shepherd our own hearts through this. So if you or someone you love has experienced woundedness within the church, I want to encourage you to sign up and register for this upcoming Zoom webinar. If you are a monthly partner, you would have received registration information in our Equipper Encouragement email sent to you. All you have to do is click on that, and it's uh, easy and convenient. But if you are not a monthly partner, don't worry. It's easy to become one. All you have to do is dial the number 888-644-4144. Again, I'll give the number 888-644-4144, or if it's easier, Go to equipradio.org. Today, we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a pastor? Now, I know many pastors are listening to me right now, and you feel like, I got that down. I got the wounds to prove it. But we're going to talk about it from a historical perspective and in particular from a theological perspective. But I think this is helpful even for the non-pastor because as you explore, consider what church do I need to maybe uh, plant my family in? What should I look for in a pastor? 
Uh, it's a question that we all need to consider. And I'm so grateful for Pastor Gerald Heastan. He joins me today. Pastor Heastan is the co-founder of the Center for Pastor Theologians. He's also the senior pastor of Calvary Memorial Church here in Oak Park, Illinois. And uh, he is someone who has a huge heart for Christ, for pastors, and for the local church. Pastor Heastan, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me here. It is great to have you. For those I've been a fan of CPT for quite some time. We've had on your co-founder, Todd Wilson, before on the program, and I love it. I love the vision. I love the mission. But for those who are unfamiliar with CPT, just talk about the hopeful mission of CPT and why it was started. Yeah, the mission of the CPT is to equip pastors to be theologians for today's complex world. Yeah. And so there's a recognition uh, that we kind of founding premise of the CPT is that this is a complex world. There's a lot of things, I and mean, you just even mentioned it uh, here in getting us started, AI, human sexuality, so yeah. many things that are complex, not just complex to uh, like practically navigate, but they're complex to even uh, philosophically and theologically navigate as well. So we want to help pastors uh, in, in their leadership uh, theologically on some of these complex social issues. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because you would assume that every doctor knows what it means to be a doctor. Every lawyer mm-hmm. knows what it means to be a lawyer. Every teacher knows what it means to, means to be a teacher. And every pastor knows what it means to be a pastor. But I would argue one of the most difficult things about pastoring is that there's such wide variety of mm-hmm. opinion on what that uh, actually means, what the definition of a pastor actually is. So let's start there. It may seem basic, but um, if you were to posit uh, a definition for what pastoral uh, leadership ministry is. What would you say? Well, I think you got to you you want to connect that back to Christ as the great pastor, or the great shepherd of the yeah. church. And so, uh, but you're right. There's so many things that are involved in pastoral ministry, right? So it's uh, there's pastoral care, there's pastoral leadership, and then different churches with different sizes and different size staffs are going to have different leadership challenges and issues. But one of the things that's common, I think, to all uh, all pastoring is we have to be competent in equipping and teaching our people about the Word of God and how to live and think about God, and because that is foundational to our capacity to love God and uh, to be loved by God. So uh, there is a, uh, and this is you know why we have the Center for Pastor Theologians, a recognition that every pastor has to be a theologian. Uh, and we don't always think like that. We think of pastors as leaders. We think of pastors as shepherds. We think of pastors as counselors. But but baked into the pastoral calling is the necessity for a pastor to be a theologian. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say this, that you, Todd, others from the CPT have uh, really helped pastors like myself to reconnect pastor and theologian together. Mm-hmm. Because quite honestly, coming through the academy, having done years of academic study, those two roles are seen differently, as you know, very detached. That you have pastors over here, some shepherds that you would appreciate greatly, and I can name historically folks that I would admire from Charles Haddon Spurgeon to D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, mm-hmm. even contemporary pastors that you would look to and say, man, 
those are pastors that really uh, I appreciate. Uh, for me, Tony Evans or the late, great Tim Keller, mm -hmm. John Piper, those types of people. Um, but then you would have your theologians mm -hmm. over here, uh, your, your, your Bob Inks, your um, more contemporary Wayne Grudem and, uh, you know, others that you would say they're two separate categories. Talk about the marrying of these two together and why it's so important. Well, I think it's important to start with the recognition that they did not used to be two separate categories yeah. in the way that we think of them today. And uh, there's its own history in, say, uh, continental Europe, but also its own history in North America. But there was a day uh, when to be a theologian meant vocationally you were going to probably be a pastor mm -hmm. because that because who pays you to be a theologian? You have to be doing something else, right? And so, what was the uh, what was the primary occupation that theologians uh, were engaged in? It was pastoral ministry, but with the rise of the Enlightenment in the 17th, 18th centuries, and some some different changes culturally that happened uh, here in North America, increasingly the vocation of the theologian shifted from the pastor over to the academy. Yeah. And when that happened, I mean, there's a certain inevitability with that. You know, you can't go back and change the clock and the CPT's not trying to, to do that. But when that happens, the, the context of theology changes. And so now uh, the questions that used to animate theologians when their primary location was in the academy, the the animating questions are shifting now. And so there's just a different set of questions that happen um, for academic theologians yeah. that don't always overlap into uh, pastoral ministry. And so then you, you, we end up with what we feel today is this disconnect between the academy and the church. And if you've been to seminary or you've gone through seminary, a lot of people will talk about this on both sides, you know, whether it's pastors or academics, they can feel that there's a disconnect between the academy and the church. And didn't it always used to be like that? Yeah, I would say even more than a disconnect, I would even go as far as to say that there seems to be a tension mm. between the two. And uh, having worked as a dean in a seminary, having uh, worked as a pastor for m much of my ministry, uh, I see a, a pretty significant tension, and dare I say, even a pastoral pride and a professorial pride yeah. mm -hmm. that uh, looks down at times to, to the other. How does this look in a local church context? Let's take us into the world of Calvary Memorial, uh, the good people of Calvary Memorial, where you get a chance to be pastor theologian. How does that look in a very practical way? Well, I, I have used uh, for my own kind of frame of reference the, the kind of parallel in the medical community. In the medical community, you have doctors that are family doctors, family practitioners. Uh, they're not doing a lot of research necessarily, but they have to stay on top of the research because they're dealing with patients that come in. Uh, and when their patients come in, they don't have to explain all of the latest scientific or medical uh, research in order to you know, you come in with a sore throat, you, you know, the doctor can diagnose that and get you some antibiotics. But the doctor needs to understand all that's going on in that, even if they don't have to explain all of it. So for me, partly what I'm thinking of uh, in my role as a pastor theologian is I have to be aware of all of the issues uh, mm. that are 
playing into the care of my people. Now, I don't necessarily have to explain all of those things in every single sermon, uh, but I but I need to be on top of them because that's mm-hmm. how I care for my people. Yeah. Uh, and then to kind of carry this analogy a little further, in the medical field, you have um, you have researchers that don't do any kind of patient care. They're just doing research. And then you have family doctors that are just doing patient care. But there's a middle space where you have uh, research doctors that both do research and they do family care. And they're kind of bridging that gap between mm. uh, between the two. So it makes sure that the research that's going on is staying conversant with the needs of the patients. That's good. But it also is uh, making sure that the patient care is in mm. touch with the latest research. That's so I, I, that's the sort of space that I'm trying to inhabit uh, yeah. is kind of that middle space. Um, but my congregation gets me as the uh, family doctor, yes, right? So I'm yes, not trying to yes. be the research doctor when I come up to, to preach yeah. my sermons. Yeah. No, I think that's a that's a great analogy. And I think in a very practical way, what you want as uh, a member of a local church is a pastor who is well-informed, who is not just doing research in a vacuum, disconnected, mm-hmm. uh, purely for academic purposes, uh, but what's driving his research is as much the who as the what. That's right, yeah. And, uh, and, and I think if you're a part of a local church, this should matter to you. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about why this should matter to you. And we're also going to introduce a term that may be new for some of you, in particular pastors called ecclesial theology. What is that? And uh, we want you to understand it and hopefully be able to experience that within your local church context. It is a joy and a blessing to have Pastor Gerald Heastan with us today. I believe before this conversation is over, for pastors, you'll get a renewed vision for your calling in Christ. For those who are non-pastors, maybe you'll be encouraged to pray for your pastor in a particular uh, way and to be a more faithful encourager of pastors, theologians. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more of Equipped right after this. Friends, I want to invite you to our next Equipper Zoom webinar coming up on Thursday, November 16th, right after the program. You know, many of us have faced pain and disappointment from other Christians and even church leaders. It's a unique problem that requires spiritual wisdom to remedy. That's why this webinar will focus on recovering from church hurt. We'll discuss how to restore our hearts and how to reconnect with a loving body of believers. Equippers, look for an email with registration details for this free interactive webinar. Not an equipper, become a monthly partner by calling 888-644-4144 or online at equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Today I'm joined by Pastor Gerald Heaston. He's the pastor of Calvary Memorial Church in Oak Park, Illinois. He's also co-founder of the Center for Pastor Theologians. And uh, I'm grateful for him being with me. I got a stack of your books here that we will dive into. You have been a very busy pastor writing and helping to provide leadership for families at your church as well as, I think, uh, encouraging the hearts of pastors. But something we probably should have tackled at the front end of this that I want to dispel 
is this thought that the CPT is somehow hostile to the academy. Mm. And I think it's important. I know you've gone through great lanes, Todd Wilson, your co-founder, has gone through great lanes to drive home the fact that you are not hostile to the academy. Just just talk about that relationship. Though you want more theological work to be grounded in the local church, you still see a place for the academy. What is it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the academy is positioned uh, in a way to to do levels of granular research uh, in the realm of theology that would be very difficult, if not impossible, for pastors to do. I mean, the uh, as we started off, I mean, the, the, talking about the the amount of things that pastors have to do that that occupy their time and attention uh, is significant, and so you know, digging up um, some of the latest research, uh, studying, uh, you know, studying Italian documents in the Vatican from the Church Fathers. I mean, this is not something that my I get, I get sabbaticals to do, you know, kind of thing, right? <laughs> so it's it's very helpful that we have. Jesus-loving, Christian, academic theologians and scholars that are in academic environments that are doing that sort of work and that are supplying the church with that sort of uh, data. So in any case, I see that there's a a very necessary partnership between the pastor-theologian or pastors and also uh, the academic uh, context, because we really are dependent upon each other. Man, I wish I could get a sabbatical to study Italian <laughs> documents in the Vatican. Can I'd you have help? to learn Italian first, which would be its own problem. <laughs> you help put in that petition with the elders yeah. of my church yeah. for me. Uh, you know, let's let's talk a little bit though about uh, what is ecclesial theology, because I think I heard that term first. Mm-hmm from uh the cpt uh so did you guys invent that term and how does it we did yeah how does it relate to and by the way i love when people are creative enough to make up their own terms so kudos to you but how does that relate to popular theology academic theology what is ecclesial theology yeah, so ecclesial theology, to go back to the analogy that i was using earlier about the medical profession it sits between what what might we might just say like academic research, and also um, which I would that's why I would kind of put academic theology in yeah, that category, yeah. right? It's uh, it's not um, academic theology is necessary. Academic scholarship is helpful and super important, uh, but it's not always oriented towards the pressing questions of the ecclesial church community, and uh, so it can at times feel a bit removed. And then you you have another uh, term uh, that that's that we didn't invent this one, but like popular theology, and uh, that could be used pejoratively, but I don't mean it in a pejorative sense. But popular theology is trying to take the academic theology and sort of translate it down to the lay level so that people can kind of understand yes. what's going on, and that's super helpful. And I think every pastor's sermon in a lot of ways is, is that, is that yeah, right? yeah. it's really good so uh, but ecclesial theology is looking to do something in that middle space where it is not simply just trying to popularize academic theology it actually is doing theological constructive work for other theologians that's so good and so yeah. it's some of those in the academy that are particularly attuned to the needs of the church are going to be interested in ecclesial theology it's yeah. going to help shape their research and it's going to guide and direct them so the ecclesial theologian 
is looking to make contributions to 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 Christian theologians wherever they find themselves. Yeah. So if that's in the academy or it's in the church, that's what the ecclesial theologian is is writing towards. So it's a it's going to be a, a uh, I don't know if this is the right term, but it's going to be a bit more uh, sophisticated, perhaps, than a popular theology. Uh, not in an elitist, unnecessary way, but when you're doing uh, research, you, you move into a lot of shorthand ways yes. of talking just yes. to kind of get to the point more quickly. And, and you uh, assume a common knowledge. You assume a common knowledge. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And so you're working with other, in a sense, professional theologians uh, yeah. when you're doing ecclesial theology. Uh, but it is rooted and animated uh, and driven towards the concerns of the church and the people of God. It's fundamentally trying to answer those questions. Yeah, I want this interview to be as helpful as possible to even non-pastors. So I promise you, if you're not a pastor and you're listening to this saying, what does this have to do with me? <laughs> I promise you we are going to get to some very, very practical things. But I do just want to highlight how thrilled I am to be having this conversation. And I'll tell you just one example of why uh, our local church, Woodside Bible Church, um, felt the need because of both external and internal factors to write uh, a white paper, uh, a paper that uh, uh, that tries to give a summary, if you will, of a, uh, of a particular topic. Uh, that's what a white paper is on the role of women in the local church. Mm -hmm. We felt like it was important because of some rapidly changing ideas in the culture. We live in a culture that doesn't even know how to define what a woman is. Uh, we felt like internally there needed to be some clarity. And so we um, uh, p prepared a paper on this topic uh, that expressed a summative theological framework. This is the theological framework for our church, well, two things are true. One, to prepare for that, we read a lot of other um, theological papers. And I will tell you that it was very different mm. reading academic theologians on this that, that aren't rooted, quite honestly, in the local church versus those who are rooted mm. in the local church in the dynamics uh, that they addressed, just categories that were blind spots uh, and, uh, and in the categories they addressed. I will also say that one of the things that we had in mind as we were writing is that this is not only helpful for our church, mm -hmm. but it's going to be helpful, hopefully, for other churches yeah. as well as they seek to navigate it. Is that an example of ecclesial theology or what you guys are hoping to promote and encourage? Yeah, I think so. And obviously, I didn't read your piece, but I, that sounds that sounds right. You know, where you're writing, uh, you're writing something with a view to the needs of your own congregation. And I think that ecclesial theology is birthed out of the questions that emerge from the local congregation. Yeah. Um, and and so it's it's the it's the questions on the ground in the church that drive drive the research and the the formation. And then ecclesial theology frames itself in a way that it's trying to be helpful not just to your own local congregation, right, to your own people in the pews, but it's also trying to be helpful to other pastors yes. and or theologians that are trying yes. to navigate these same issues. And I, so I think yeah. that's a great example. But I think also humble enough to recognize that there are going to be, in particular, with what I would call secondary theological issues. And uh, for those who 
maybe don't understand the difference between primary, secondary, tertiary issues. I think uh, a great book on this is Ortland's Choosing the Right Heels to Die On, where he kind of lays out those things. But I think it's important with a fair share of humility to recognize that, yeah, we're going to have some nuance here that, are spe- that is specific to our local church. But there's also a lot here that is helpful yep. for the broader uh, church. Uh, how should a person who is not a pastor listen to a conversation like this and, uh, and maybe be helpful to their pastor? Yeah, I think, I think um, as we're talking maybe about the definition of ecclesial theology, which is uh, looking to be uh, helpful beyond one's church to other pastors and theologians. I think the parishioner is not necessarily going to interact directly with a ton of that, um, because that that maybe is, is a conversation that's going on, like that's guild-specific to yeah. theologians, right? Uh, but that doesn't mean that that's not driven primarily by the benefit of the parishioner. It's for the parishioner's sake. And so I, I think what I've experienced in my own church is that a lot of the folks in my church, they, they wouldn't know the definition of ecclesial theology. I don't talk uh, that way uh, from the pulpit all the time. Uh, but what they know is that I'm, I'm thoughtful, that I'm reading a lot, and that I'm, and I'm doing that because I'm wanting to help them nice understand God. and know God, right? So, so they, they don't have to understand all of it, uh, but I do think it's how do, how do I support that? Like how do I you know, yeah. kind of cheer that on? Yeah, and I think at a very basic level, what I'm hoping my church uh, broadly, my church family would do for me is to uh, share with me what topics that really burden their heart to have greater theological clarity on. So one of the great ways you can help your pastor is to say, uh, I really have a burden or we really have a burden to have greater theological clarity and you insert the issue because that can help to drive his study and his research. More with Pastor Gerald Heastan right after this. Next up on Equip. Here on Equip, it's our goal to help listeners like you to understand and apply biblical truth to the issues we encounter in our culture, our community, and our homes. But we need your help. Will you join our family of equippers by making an ongoing monthly donation to Equip? When you do, you'll have exclusive access to regular encouragement from me, as well as our Equipper webinars and other special offers. Become an Equipper today. Call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. So grateful to have Pastor Joel Heastan with me today. If you're a pastor, we want you to be a theologian. And I would dare say if you're a theologian, we would love for you to have your feet firmly grounded in the local church. And if you're a member of a local church, I pray that you will have a greater appreciation for the work that pastors are called to do, to read deeply, to widely, to care very much, to listen carefully at the issues and concerns of their local congregation and to help you to better understand and apply the Word of God to those issues. I mentioned earlier uh, Pastor Gerald's uh, bio, and that I had several books in my hands, but I failed to mention the books. So the one that I would encourage you, and, and maybe this is the starter, 
if you will, uh, starter uh, book that'll be on our website is the pastor theologian resurrecting an ancient vision. And I think what I found most helpful about this book in particular to me is that you and Todd Wilson helped me to understand what was pastoral ministry like pre-enlightenment, what is pastoral ministry like in our current day, how did we get here, the relationship between the academy and the local church. And so I think this is really, really helpful. Uh, Then the sequel, if you will, to that book, Becoming a Pastor Theologian, New Possibilities for Church Leadership, I would encourage you to get as well. And if you're a pastor, let me just say this. Don't read these books in isolation. I think one of the things that is most helpful for me is to have the elders of my church reading these things with me so that we can all be on the same page about what um, I'm responsible for, uh, what it means to be a pastor. So I really would encourage you to invite your elders into into this conversation and maybe even some key stakeholder members of your church uh, because the more there could be alignment around this, the better. Uh, Pastor Heastan, I want to talk for just a moment to young aspiring pastors. Uh, You know about our deep connection to Moody Bible Institute, where we're launching leaders there. I love the work of MBI. Uh, So much of it is focused in on training practitioners, be it pastors or missionaries. Uh, But broadly, um, I want you to speak to young pastors. If someone is aspiring to be a pastor, and wanting to know how should I prepare for that, what would you say? Yeah, I think um, I'm a graduate of Moody myself. Okay. And uh, back in uh, 97, so uh, a little bit ago. That's great. Uh, But uh, I think that what happens, I mean, I'm going to take a step further back to answer your question, but I think what happens sometimes is you get young young people that are uh, excited about theology, and they're excited about pastoral ministry, but the the current landscape tends to force them to have to choose which one they're going to pursue vocationally. So do I do I go to school to learn how to be a theologian, or do I go to school to learn how to be a pastor? And at some point, they're going to be kind of uh, shuttled into some different tracks. Yes. And I want to say no, don't don't do that. Like you know, uh, keep pursuing. Uh, Keep pursuing both of these aims uh, as much as possible. And so um, I, I started off with my undergrad here at Moody and uh, just really uh, looking to get my head around the Bible. And I think that's one of the advantages of a Bible school like uh, Moody is it, uh, it really helps kind of orient you into the, the foundational text of all theology, which is the scriptures. Um, and uh, and then I went on, uh, did some graduate work. I did a, a, a master's in theology, which then kind of took me a little bit into church history was sort of the direction that I went uh, to help see how the rest, uh, the Christian tradition has understood and interpreted the Bible, I think can be very helpful. Um, and so depending, and then I went on and did a PhD uh, in classics with the focus on church history. But I think depending on uh, where you see yourself uh, serving the church, uh, as a pastor, uh, kind of helps inform the uh, the the academic sort of calling that you're going to follow after, right? So if you if you see your primary uh, uh, calling is to be a, an effective theologian to your local congregation, you you 
you might not need to go on and get a PhD. Probably you don't need to go on and get a PhD. Uh, maybe a DMIN could be super helpful in that regard, but uh, probably some level of graduate work is going to be uh, helpful in giving you a, a more robust sense of what it is to be a theologian for your local congregation. Uh, if you feel a particular calling from the Lord to make theological contributions beyond your local church to other local churches, then your schooling probably needs to follow and match that a little bit so yeah. that you are... Uh, pr- that you're competent to do that. Um, but not every pastor is called uh, to do that. Every pastor is called to be a theologian to their congregation. Uh, and then I think beyond that, as the Lord leads and gives opportunity, you uh, you get the training you need in order to uh, uh, to follow the calling that the Lord's put in your life. Let's, let's talk about this from a very um, <clears throat> lay level, if you will. Why should theology matter? Why does theology matter if you're... A member of a local church, at the end of the day, uh, all you really want, right, is someone who's going to care for your soul, your family, someone who's going to hopefully uh, be a compelling Bible teacher. Why should theology matter to the non-pastor? Yeah, and the word theology is, you know, two words put together, theos, God, and logos, words. So it's, it's words about God. That is what theology is. And uh, our entire Christian faith is oriented towards God's revelation of himself in Jesus Christ yeah. and our experience of that through the Holy Spirit. And so we, uh, sometimes I think what can happen is we see theology as irrelevant to the life of the Christian. And we're like, I don't need theology, just give me Jesus. Well, I mean, good theology is words about Jesus, and it helps us come to understand who he is in our life, what he's asking of us, how he wants to express his love to us, how he wants us to love him in return. So theology is highly relevant for the life of the of the uh, the, the average Christian, to put it in those terms. Um, and I think it's part of the tragedy of our context that we've separated, we've removed theology from the pastorate, put it in the academy, and now I think a lot of local uh, congregants don't feel like it has any relevance. And in some ways, maybe that's just, it's true because it's the fault of moving theology out of the local church. But it doesn't have to be that way, and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. And historically, it, it wasn't that way. Uh, and so theology uh, is always helping us, even if we don't put it in those terms, but we are always we are always uh, acting out in our lives in ways that are consistent with what we believe about God and about Christ. And, and uh, even if we're not consciously thinking that, that is true, like how we're living our lives. Yeah, I would, I would just say that if you uh, care at all about properly understanding God's ways, will, and word, mm-hmm. his attributes and his actions, if that matters to you, then theology matters to you yeah. because that really is what theology drives home. Yeah. So I think it's critical that we not underestimate that because, man, you think about it, if doc, if uh, pastors are sole physicians, if I could use that term, just imagine having a physical physician that, that misdiagnoses, misprescribes, is inaccurate in his understanding of not only your conditions but uh, the remedies for those things. Think about how detrimental that could be for you and for your life. Now multiply that on an infinite level when you think about your soul. If you have a pastor who is not properly diagnosing the condition, the needs of the souls of his congregation, uh, prescribing uh, erroneous remedies for those things, 
then you are putting yourself in not only physical harm's way, but you're putting yourself in eternal harm's way. So I think that's why it becomes really important to me. Let's let's talk about the issues that maybe are on the horizon for the church. As you think about Calvary Memorial, as you think about the church broadly, what are some issues that you would love to see more ecclesial theology done on? Uh, what are some issues that are really burdens of your heart? I mentioned a couple on the outset of this uh, program. Uh, but what are some things that really, as you think about the local church, are pronounced to you? Yeah, I think uh, the, the ones you mentioned, I think, or come to my mind immediately as well. I mean, I think issues of sexuality and gender are, uh, they're just yeah. pressing on us uh, with more and more force. Yes. And, uh, and you've and, written on that. Yeah, and they're complex, too. Yeah. I mean, these are not simple issues um, to figure out how to both hold, like, to hold to the position, but then also how do you articulate it? Uh, to your people, and then how do you articulate it to the ch- to the culture at large? You know, yes. we're uh, we're in Oak Park, which is a great community. I love it. It's very progressive, uh, and it has some pretty strong views on sexuality and gender mm. that are not uh, in step with the Christian uh, tradition mm. uh, historically. And so, both how do we as a church think about these issues, and then how do we talk about these issues to our community? Uh, th- mm. Those are those are complex mm. issues. I think issues around race. Um, you know, in 2020 with George Floyd, that really brought it to the surface. But it's, you know, that's been an issue in our North American experience uh, for, you know, since our founding. So I think I think there's issues there for us to really think through. And then I would also say, uh, politically, uh, we don't, Americans don't know how to engage publicly without engaging politically. And so politically, we have more and more polarization between left and right in the country. And so when we step into our public spaces, we inevitably step into political spaces that are becoming more and more fractured from each other, more and more hostile, more and more aggressive and polemical. So I think there needs to be some real thought about how does Christianity engage politically or publicly in a culture that really is kind of tearing itself apart uh, in those areas. Man, this this conversation could go on for about three or four hours because I would love to begin to pick your brain about a number of different things. I, I, I think about most recently uh, the big to-do that was made about Andy Stanley's mm-hmm. uh, unconditional conference. We mm-hmm. did a whole program on this where we, where we talked about it here on Equip. And I think, okay, here's an example of a pastor who is um, thinking about the needs of his church family, in particular the relational needs, and he puts on this conference. But I think in the midst of it, what he did was maybe, if I'm charitable, well-intentioned, but very dangerous in the fact that he separated good theology from good practice. And I think that what pastors are called to do is to never bifurcate. Um, good theology from good practice Mm -hmm. in these areas. In other words, anyone who tells you, this is what I believe, but how it is played out and lived out is not informed by what I believe or it's disconnected by what I believe, I think is giving you a very dangerous framework for how to go about living your Christian life. And again, that can be a sincere mistake or it can be something far more sinister, depends on the person and the context, but dangerous nonetheless. 
we have to, I think, embrace the fact that the Bible gives us not only um, what ethics, values, beliefs we should have, but it also informs us on how we should live these things out. That's why we need pastor theologians. That's why the CPT exists. Maybe uh, we've aroused your curiosity and you're wondering, how do I get involved? How do I connect with the CPT? Pastor, he's staying. And uh, we'll even talk about new leadership over there. So don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. for joy that supersedes your circumstances that you know that some of the most joyful people have endured unbelievable trauma because living joyfully is all about the habits we create in our daily lives that's why i want to send you the four habits of joy-filled people by dr marcus warner and chris corsi they combine spiritual truth with proven brain science to guide us into joyful living this life-changing book can be yours with the gift of any amount to equip Simply call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. I want to take a moment to encourage you as we start a new month to support the program. It's hard to believe that we have already arrived in November, arguably the most joy-filled month of the year. As we approach rapidly Thanksgiving, and maybe on your list of things you're thankful for is equipped. We have tried all year long to be encouraging, edifying, to be a friend alongside of you in your journey with Christ, to be your prayer partner, and to introduce you to men and women who are thinking deeply about how to best live, share, and defend our faith in a rapidly changing culture. And I hope that your heart has been encouraged by that. It's the prayer of our team that every day when you tune into Equip, that your heart will be strengthened and you will learn how to think critically and live compassionately. And again, uh, a constantly changing culture where there are many complex issues. Hopefully we've done that for you. And if we have been a blessing, can you help us with a year-end gift, your most generous tax-deductible gift enables us to continue to strengthen Christians in your community and beyond to, fear, to uh, bear faithful witness to, to Christ uh, before their neighbors, their friends, their family members, and uh, in the network that they are a part of. So I'm going to ask that you would do something right now if you can. Go to our website, go to equippedradio.org. Maybe you have your phone near you or you're in front of your computer or tablet. Go to equippedradio.org and can you make a gift today that would be so helpful? Your gift of $50 or $100 or more really helps us in an enormous way. Or if it's easier for you, why don't you call this number, 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. And speaking of joy, this month, in exchange for your generosity, we're going to send you the wonderful book, Four Habits of Joy-Filled People by Dr. Marcus Warner and Chris Corsi, his co-author. They have thought deeply about joy not being a luxury and joy being possible if we embrace certain habits that's consistent with the best of theology 
and brain science, I want to encourage you to write in. This book is a game changer, and I want to get it to you. Uh, and that happens as you call the number 888-644-4144. It's been such a huge joy having Pastor Gerald Heastan with me. If you're in the Oak Park or Chicago area, I would really encourage you to find out more about Calvary Memorial. Uh, but I do want to ask as we close, um, how do you get connected? If you're a pastor listening in Boise, Idaho, if you're a, a pastor who's listening in Detroit, Michigan, or in Tampa, Florida, how do you get connected to the CPT? Well, probably the first thing I would point to is our website. So pastortheologians.com, and you're going to find, um, you're, you're going to find a more detailed list of like our programming and some of the events that we do. We have some publications. Uh, we have a Center for Pastor Theologians journal that comes out a couple times a year. And so that's available for free download uh, there on the, on the website. And uh, so you can get that. We have uh, regular contributions uh, from some of our CPT fellows. And so these are uh, kind of our professional ecclesial theologian pastors, as it were, and they write uh, regularly on our website. And so there's various articles and topics that are covered there. We have a conference uh, every year uh, in October. And uh, so we have people that come in from all over the country uh, for that. And uh, then we also have student theologian fellowships. So if there's any students out here listening that say, hey, I want to grow up and be a pastor theologian, uh, we might have a, a student theologian fellowship in your, an, on your campus, and you can find information there on the website. We also have what we call local theologian fellowships, and so these are available um, in various points throughout our various cities throughout the country as well. We have those listed on our website. Maybe there's one near you that you could jump in and be part of. Um, and then if there's any out pastors out there that uh, really aspire to be an ecclesial theologian in the ways uh, that we've been talking about here, uh, we do have ecclesial theologian fellowships, and you can find more information there on the website as well. Yeah, uh, as we uh, wrap up, I do highly encourage pastors who are listening, get plugged in. You need to be a part of a network like the CPT. Before we end, though, I want to pray for you. And for the CPT, let's talk about, for about 30 seconds, if we can, new leadership there. Yeah, so uh, Todd Wilson uh, was my co-founder and uh, colleague uh, in ministry for the past number of years. And so he's been leading the CPT for the past five years. Uh, he was our first full-time president, and uh, the Lord has called him into some new fields of ministry. And so he'll continue to be involved with the CPT, but not uh, as the president. And so the board... Uh, just this uh, past week has uh, been excited to uh, hire Dr. Joel Lawrence, who has yeah. been our executive director and now is moving into the president's role. So we're That's super great. excited to have him involved. Father, we thank you for uh, men and pastors and leaders like Pastor Heastan. We pray that you would bless him, bless and multiply pastor theologians across the country. May every church receive the benefit of that. And we pray for Dr. Lawrence and the CPT to bear much fruit for your kingdom in the days to come. Bless the church, your bride, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, until we're together again next time, as always, remember Equip with Chris Brooks. It's a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.